The king of Israel was God. And then Israel cried out for a king because they wanted to be like the world. And in wanting to be like the world, they were warned that if you cry out for a king, Samuel told them the king that you will be given will be a king that will bring hardship upon you. He will be a king that will take from you, not give to you. He will be a king that, that fails you miserably, and in the end, you will want to remove him. And they said, give us a king anyway. And so they were given a king by the name of Saul. And King Saul in the beginning looked good. He started off with humility. He was tall. He was handsome. He was strong. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. So they felt like they had somebody they could look to that could be a representation for them of, of a leader, of a god, if you will. That's called idol worship. Amen? Amen? And what happens is that King Saul quickly, he becomes very victorious early on, but in a short amount of time, his pride rises up. And in chapters 13, 14, and 15, he becomes impatient when the army is mounting up. So he takes the place of the priest when he wasn't the priest. And he makes the sacrifice, which was blasphemy. Then he makes a rash oath and says, if anybody eats until all the Philistines are dead, they're going to be put to death. And his own son takes some honey, not knowing it. He's going to kill his own son. His own son has to be rescued from this tyrant. And then in chapter 15, God tells him to go out and wipe out all the Amalekites. And sometimes we struggle when God says wipe out an entire people. But the Amalekites, God had warned them 300 years earlier when they were going in and picking off God's people in the wilderness. He said, I'm gonna, I've judged you. I found you wanting. And I'm going to bring judgment against you. He gave them 300 years to repent. And he sent Saul to go kill all the Amalekites commanded by God. And what does he do? He brings back Agag, the king of the Amalekites. He brings back all of the, the livestock with him. And then Samuel shows up. And this is what we do when confronted with sin, often. He's confronted with this sin. And when confronted with sin, you can do one of three things. You can make excuses, accuse others, or repent. Amen? And what happens is he says, oh, I did everything that God commanded me to do. And then you hear, bah. You hear the sheep. And God has a sense of humor. Amen? And, God sa and Samuel says, well, no, you didn't. You brought back the spoils. Well, we brought back the spoils. Well, actually, we didn't. The people brought back the spoils so we can make sacrifices to the Lord your God. I cheated on my taxes, God, so I could tithe more. Amen? We, we did this sinful thing, Lord, but we really wanted, and the Lord your God. But then Agag, he calls Agag out, the king of the flesh. The Malachite's a type of the flesh, brings out the king of the flesh. That's the area of your life, guys, you don't want to let go of. I've given my life to Jesus, but I'm hanging on to this one sin. He's a gracious God anyway. Hey guys, there's men in this room hanging on to pornography. You need to stop it. Amen? They're hanging on to whatever it is, the things you do in secret that you think nobody sees. Character is who we are when everyone's, you know, when no one's watching, right? I mean, integrity is who we are when no one's watching. Character is seen in who we are when we're in that private moment, and there's that sin that needs to die. And what happens is Samuel comes out in his 80s, and he sees Agag. And Agag, at that moment, feels rest. Oh, good. It's just an old man. And what did Samuel do? Who remembers? He picked up a sword and chopped Agag to pieces. Guys, if you're going to put to death the king of the flesh in your life, it only comes through the word of God, the sword. Amen? Amen? So that's King Saul, and he was the king, and now King Saul has had the kingdom ripped from him. Saul, Samuel says, because of what you've done, the kingdom's ripped from you. You're not the, going to be king anymore. God's going to replace you. Then he tells Samuel as he's mourning for Saul to go to the house of Jesse to anoint a king. David 
is a man after God's own heart. And David was the man God was going to use. And the attributes we see, especially early in the life of David, are attributes we should want to follow. When they go to anoint the king, what happens? In chapter 16, Jesse brings out all of his sons except one. Who doesn't he bring out? He leaves David out doing what he was called to do, which is watch the sheep. See, David was a man of character because David was faithful when no one was watching. We know that David laid down his life for the sheep when nobody was watching. David fought lions and bears when nobody cared and nobody saw it. But in preparation, when he was being faithful when no one was watching, was preparing him to stand up for God when everyone was watching. Guys, if we're going to be used mildly by God, we need to be men who are hanging out with God when no one's watching. So when it's an opportunity to build a bridge when everyone's watching, we'll be equipped to do it. So King David was high over here, and they bring the sons out. And the first one looks kind of like Saul. Good looking, tall. Even Samuel's buying it. Oh, this must be him. And God says, no. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Amen? We choose people based on outward appearance. How charismatic they are. How good of a speaker that they are. We don't care about the content of their heart, but how well they deliver the message. Look at politics. Amen? And the reality is that God had chosen David and knew that he was the man before the foundation of the world. And God was preparing David and David had no idea. So finally he goes and says, I've seen all your sons. You got anybody else? Well, we got... The little ruddy kid that's out watching the sheep, which is the lowest job out there. And they bring him in, and God says, this is the one. And he anoints him with oil. And it says in the text that the Holy Spirit came upon him from that day forward. You know what that means? Everywhere that David went, the Holy Spirit showed up. When you go to work tomorrow, you bring the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters the building when you get there. When you show up and in they're in the, walking down the aisle in the grocery store, you bring the Holy Spirit. When you come home, you bring the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, you are filled with the Spirit of the living God. You're not God, but God lives in you. Amen? Yes. Now, I'm going to have to summarize because we don't have a lot of time. But in chapter 17, it begins with the Philistines mounting up. The Philistines wouldn't have even been there had King Saul done his job. King Saul didn't finish the job of wiping out the Philistines. So now the Philistines have come into Israel. They've encroached upon their land. And they're mounted up in the Valley of Elah. And there they've got their men mounted up. And they send out their giant. They send out their champion. And Goliath, it says in the text there in the first few verses, he's six cubits tall. Nine and a half to 11 feet tall. 600 to 750 pounds with 175 pounds of armor and a spearhead that weighs 15 pounds and an armor bearer standing in front of him. And he comes out for 40 days, 40 in the Bible, the number of testing, and he challenges them, I defy the... I wish I had Ken's voice right now. I defy the armies. Send out your champion, right? Every time I read that text, I think of Ken Graves. And... Goliath is challenging them. Now, who is supposed to be their champion? Saul. He's, but Saul had just been told, uh, the kingdom has been ripped from you, bro. And God brought, bringing somebody to take your place. And he's probably thinking, I go down there, this is it. 
So matter of fact, I'll offer a reward. Someone can have my daughter. I'll get no taxes for the rest of your life. Somebody go fight this guy. But what happened is 40 days and 40 nights, they were challenged. And 40 days and 40 nights, as soon as they heard the voice of Goliath, they ran. Because they were looking from a physical perspective instead of a spiritual one. Guys, your problems are only great if your God is small. Amen? Guys, we serve a great God. Every problem we have is small. So picking up just, I'm going to read a few of the verses here. So it says there in verse uh, 10. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Do you know the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Fear, anxiety, and worry are all the opposite of faith. When you're afraid, you forget who's in control. You forget how great that your God is. By the way, God is greater than you think. He's greater than you can comprehend. When you get to heaven, you're going to be blown away. Amen? When we, no one's going to get there and go, I thought I was going to be bigger. No one's going to think, any, we're going to just see God. We're going to be blown away by the presence and the power of Almighty God. And you know, when we see Him in His presence, we're going to say, I should have prayed more if I knew you were this great. I should have been afraid less if I knew you were the one standing behind me. Guys, we need to know that now. And so he defies the armies, and they're just whimpering out. And so at that point, David's dad calls him in, and he's, by the way, he's the king, anointed, and yet he goes back to the sheep. And then he comes back, and his dad says, I need you to take some cheese to your brother warriors who are out there shaking in their boots, but he doesn't know that. And take the cheese. So he's basically the milkman delivering stuff to the people who are wimping out on the front line. But there's a divine appointment waiting for him. And when David gets there, he enters the camp, and he runs in, and he sees it all mounted up on both sides for the army here. And he comes down, and here's that voice again, and I defy the armies, and everybody shakes and quivers. And David walks in and sees it from a different perspective because David is filled with the Holy Spirit. Where everyone else had a physical perspective, he had a spiritual one. They saw 11 foot 750 against a mere man. He saw a puny man against Almighty God. And who is greater than our God? And so he then says, look at verse 24. I'm skipping down a lot for sake of time. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him or were greatly afraid. But then go down to verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine? He wasn't interested in the reward. He wanted to get their attention. And then he says this, who takes away the reproach of Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this puny man that shakes his fists at God? And why are all of God's people saying nothing and being afraid? Guys, when you go into your workplace, there may be other Christians there that are afraid to speak up for the truth of the gospel. Let me tell you something. If you lose your job for preaching the gospel, the Lord will give you another one. God's given, again, not a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. We should not be afraid or ashamed of our Savior. He hung on a cross for us. We should be able to stand up in our workplace for Him. God put you there for a reason. That is your mission field. You're called to be salt and light. And who is this person that defies the true and living God? Our God is greater still. Amen? Amen. 
And the people answered, saying, well, if you do this, this will happen. Then his brothers say to him, go back to your sheep, shepherd boy, paraphrase. And whenever you make a stand for God, there will be others who will tell you you've lost your mind. When you make a stand for God, you might even have other Christians going, dude, you're going to do what? You're going to sell? You're gonna, no, dude, no, you don't have to be that radical for God. You can't be too radical for God. Nobody's going to stand before God on Judgment Day wishing they had done less for the kingdom of God. Nobody's going to regret speaking up for God too much. We will regret holding our tongues too long. Then David says in verse 32, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. Everyone else was shaking, and one man showed up who wasn't. The one man who was filled with the Holy Spirit. The man the world chose failed. The man that God uses never does. Amen? The man who's willing to be used, the man who's willing to step out in faith, the man who's unafraid of the things of this world, the man who recognizes, I'm not God, but he lives in me. I'm just a tool in the hand of my master. And let him use me for his glory. Oddly enough, Saul was very happy that David was willing to fight him. I won't die today. Maybe I'll get another day. So what does he do? He gives him his armor. And he puts the armor on. And, you know, a bunch of armor for a big man like Saul, it's too cumbersome for David. And David takes it off and says, I don't need this. Because, guys, we don't need worldly entrapments to do the work of the Lord. He says, let me take the way that God has trained me when I killed the bear and I killed the lion. And I'll kill this guy, too. Not because I'm great, but because my God is great. Not because I'm so wonderful or amazing or gifted, but because God chooses to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God's going to use a ruddy teenager to bring great boldness to everyone else. Have you ever noticed when one person stands up for God that a lot of other people get a little more brave? When one person in the workplace starts being bold for the Lord, other people get a little more bold? I have a full-time job along pastoring a church, and I went to our company picnic the other day, and I found my son's Got Jesus shirt with a, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I said, well, that's a great shirt to wear to a company picnic where I'm going to meet people I don't know. And as soon as I got there, you saw people like going in the other direction when I walked up to their group. Just simply, but there were others who, when they saw my shirt, said, you know what, praise the Lord, bro, I love that shirt. You know, God is great. And we start talking about the Lord. And the president of the company, who, uh, by the grace of God, last year when we were on our sales awards trip, had me get up and preach a message to everybody at our sales meeting, because it was Palm Sunday. You know, God, guys, let's stand up for God and watch and see the things that God will give us opportunities to do. So David, I'll fight him. And David doesn't try to use anything other than what he already knows because he's a man who is already faithfully serving the Lord. He was a man who has spent, not only was he fighting lions and bears, but he was praying as he was a shepherd. He was worshiping as he was a shepherd. And now he's ready to fight the enemy. Then it says there in verse 40, skip down, running out of time. He took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near the Philistine. We're going to see David run toward the Philistine. Don't you love it? 
He doesn't go down there uh, tentative. He's not afraid. If God is for us, who can be against us? You plus God is a majority. Amen? If God is for you, who can be against you? So David runs toward the Philistine, and we know how Goliath responds. Really? You send a boy out here? Pastor Dave paraphrased. You're going to fight me with sticks? Really? This is the best you got? And David doubles down on his faith. Look at verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, who you've defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you this day. And I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. He doesn't say, I'm going to do this to prove to you that I'm a great warrior. He didn't say, I'm going to do this so that I'll be honored and people will sing songs about me, though they would. He said, I'm going to do this that God might be glorified. Guys, that should always be the only motivation we have for everything that we do that God will be glorified. Now, I hope they forget my name and remember his. Amen? When you go into the workplace, may they forget us and remember the Lord. May we reach people for his kingdom and for his glory. It's not about us. It's about him. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. We don't have to fear any army. We don't have to fear any ungodly boss. We don't have to fear anything that goes on. We don't have to fear disease, anything. We don't have to fear addiction. You guys know that's this trial in my family's life. Our God is greater still. Amen? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. David showed up. The Holy Spirit showed up. Almighty God against a puny man. It was a lopsided fight, just not the the way Goliath thought it was. If you were taking bets on the side, everyone would have bet on Goliath, but the praying men would have known that God was going to use David. Verse 49. So he runs toward him in verse 48. And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone. And he slung and struck the Philistine in his forehead. So the stone sunk in his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in his hand. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew out the sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Can you imagine the scene? What does 11 foot 750 sound like hitting the dirt? Boom, and just, in a, and I just imagine the dust piling up. And, and you know, you get all the guys who were hiding over there on the Israel side, they kind of lift up, and what's going on? And then you look down, and there's little David as the dust clears, standing there holding Goliath's head with both hands, because you know it took both of them. And as soon as they saw it, you know what happened? The faith of a puny teenager who knew that the Lord was with him, that was filled with the Holy Spirit, brought faith to the entire army that charged down and chased the Philistines and killed them along the way. Guys, we just need men who are willing to stand up for the things of God when nobody else will. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one who can show himself strong on account of, one who is faithful to him. Guys, we shouldn't be impressed with what men say about you, but who you are in Christ is all that matters. Let's be the kings that God wants us to be. 